You're mad that you slept in? I'm pissed off that I slept in, though. What have you been watching? What's been on the agenda for Andrew? All right. Well, first, before we talk about that, we have to talk about something else. Did you see the sight and sound poll? I don't think so. Tell me more. What? I don't think so. Explain it to me. Maybe I do. You know what this is? Oh my God. See, this is why, this is why, no, this is why you need me. I'm the, I'm the, I got my hand on the pulse of the movie community. You know, the movie, uh, it's the sight and sound poll is, um, the, um, poll that's conducted every 10 years by sight and sound, which is a British film magazine, I believe. And so they did it again this year. And I think with the, and you know, it's just a hundred greatest films of all time. They polled 1,639 critics, programs, curators, archivists, and academics, and they submit a top 10 ballot of movies. They, whatever deserve, they think deserve to be on the list. Like in all of cinematic history. Yeah. Just every movie. They also did a director's one as well. But the big one, of course, is the one with all of the, like I said, critics, programmers, curators, all those people. So for a while, it was Citizen Kane was number one. And last year, for the first time ever, Vertigo overtook Citizen Kane oh, shit. for number one. So it was like Vertigo, Citizen Kane. Can you guess what number one is? It is actually not Vertigo or Citizen Kane. It's not Vertigo or Citizen Kane. No. Is it... No, but I will say the movie is directed by a French person. No, sorry. Well, I, I kind of gave it away a little bit. And actually, the, this person's not French, but um, I was going to say they are, um, it's a woman. It's a woman director. Oh, is it uh, an Agnes Verda film? No. No. I don't even know if she's on the list. And we'll talk about it. You need to look she's at the She's not even list. on the list? I, I bet she's not. I, oh, no. You know what? No, I'm wrong. She's got to be on the list. Number 14, Cleo from Pride of Seven. Yeah. Yeah, she's on the list. So it's a French woman. Not French, sorry. Not French. No. But it's a woman. It's a woman. And it is a movie that you've seen. And it, but it's actually a movie that I haven't seen. Give me a minute. I want to I wanna think about this. I don't think you'll be able to guess it, but I'm giving you the chance to guess it. Give me like a Jeopardy amount of time to come up with an answer. All right. She is a Belgian woman. I'll give you that. It's a Belgian woman. I don't think that helps at all. I don't know. I, I got nothing. Who is it? It's a 70s movie. 70s movie. I have no idea. What is it? What's the movie? It's a G and Dealman. Really? Yeah, that was number one. It went up 34 spots. Holy shit! Huh? You still haven't seen that movie? No, I still haven't seen it. It's, I mean, it is oh, three and a half hours long, so I just haven't really gotten around to it. It's not only three and a half hours long. It's three and a half hours long where nothing happens. I know. I'm excited to watch it though. I mean, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. I saw that on the Criterion Collection. They like put all the films on their uh, streaming service for I don't know how long it's going to be up there but if there was ever a time to watch a three and a half hour movie about a woman just walking around yeah yeah it's it, I I, I kind of like it's number one you know the the list itself I mean is pretty boilerplate you should look it up we're gonna do this right now okay sight and sound 2022 complete list John Dealman that's really it's a good film it's not a bad film at all but is it the greatest film ever but Vertigo, Citizen Kane, Tokyo Story, 2001, Beau Traval, uh, Mulholland Drive. I like that Beau Traval is number seven. We, that was a movie we were going to watch um, for the show before we went on a hiatus. Yeah. I mean, that was a good chance to, I mean, we're not doing it next time, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good movie. I'm still going to watch it sometime. Yeah. I like that Mulholland Drive is eight. I love that. I saw Man with the Movie Camera for the first time not too long ago. That was good. It's a great movie. A, a really great movie. 
Um, not a lot of like westerns, though. I believe I've heard that there's not a lot of Spanish language directors mm-hmm. in the mix going on. Um, actually, you know what? There is Glean- the Gleaners and Eyes on the list, so there's more than one Agnes Ferreira movie on the list. There's at least two, maybe more. There's a lot of Hitchcock movies on here. It's fine. Yeah, Hitchcock has the most movies on there with four. Wow. Which I don't know if that's necessary, honestly. Even though those four movies are indispensable, it's kind of a little bit much. I'm surprised City Lights. Is Modern Times on here? Because City Lights is tied for 36. Usually Modern Times is above. I don't even see Modern Times on here. The Modern Times is on there. It's like 81 on the letterbox list I'm looking at. Yeah, City Lights is 36. So it's up above Modern Times. I mean, there's some great... I've seen most of these. I wish Stalker was higher, but I'm glad it made the list. According to Letterboxd, I've seen 52% of these movies. Nice. I think it... Here, maybe maybe I should go to Letterboxd. Uh, should I just look up Sight and Sound? Yeah, a British Film Institute. Look up the British Film Institute account, and they have a list on there. A lot of Bergman movies got kicked off the list. That's bullshit. But, I mean, there's still some on there. Like, Persona is the highest one on there. I've seen 65% of these movies. Wow, you've seen a lot of them. Wow. I've seen a good deal. I've watched so many movies, but, you know, there's, like, a considerable amount of the canon that I haven't watched, or whatever you can call it, that canon, whatever the fuck. Some good stuff. Close Up, we just talked about that three days ago. We're going to show it at the theater soon. That'll be fun. Great movie. Lovely movie. I wish Playtime was higher, but, you know, Playtime's my favorite, so. The Night of the Hunter, my, uh, Jimmy actually just bought me that movie for my birthday. So I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, no, I have criter- I have the Criterion. Seen it? Never seen it, but I have the Criterion. Ooh. Is it good? So good. Okay. I love that movie, dude. I was going to actually play it at the theater once everything's set up. So. Oh, my God. That movie's so good. It looks so good. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, number 30. That seems a little high. There are like four movies that came out in the 2010s that I think are on the list. Wow. Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Get Out, and Moonlight. Get Out? All these movies I like, but I'm good. Yeah. I'm surprised Get Out made top 100. Really? I mean, Get Out's... It was like it was like number 100. Uh, so it like just made the list. Okay. Ollie Fear Eats the Soul. I rewatched that movie recently. Have you ever seen that movie? No. You should watch it. It's, it's really good. Uh, no, I should. It's yeah. like a really quiet, sad, kind of depressing film. You got to be in the uh, I like Fassbender. It. I've seen Petra Von Kant. Okay. That's a good movie. Yeah. You know, Godfather is on the list, but Godfather Duke got kicked out. It's on the list. Godfather isn't on the list? Oh, no, it is. Well, Godfather is, but Godfather 2 isn't on the list. Wow. Which is kind of weird. That movie was like in the 30 ranges. Yeah. Like in the first, in the list from 2012, but then it's just off. Wow. Third Man, we watched, we watched actually a couple of these for the podcast. We watched quite a few of these. The General. Is My Neighbor Totoro the only animated film on here? Spirited Away is on there. But it's also Studi, Studio Ghibli. Totoro's higher than Spirited Away, though, which I like. I don't know about that. I think Totoro's better. I, I no, Totoro's so. better than Spirited uh, Away. It's a more beautiful movie. It's more I mean, honestly, you know. They're like one and the same. I'm always partial to Howl's Movie Castle. That's just I'm me. Not, we've I know. This, we talked. We had a whole podcast about I know, it. I know. I know. We had, we, had, we had a whole episode for an hour. I get you. I feel you. Wow. So there's two David Lynch movies on here. That's great. Good for him. I'm sure if you look, you can see that, you know, a lot of uh, directors have been uh, not on there. The list is always kind of this. It's very English heavy, which is fine. But Once Upon a Time in the West, really? Over uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly? 
I haven't seen Once Upon a Time, but I will soon. I don't think it's as good as The Good and Bad and the Ugly. You know, it's Sergio Leone, so it's still great, but... Well, besides that movie and The Searchers, I think those are the only two Westerns on the list, as far as I can tell. I think you're right. Yeah, what do you think, Austin? Good lists? Bad lists? I mean, you know, these kind of things, they are, as you said, very kind of standard, what's supposed to be kind of run of the mill. So there's nothing really on this list that surprises me other than maybe like get out. The fact that Jean Dielman uh, is at number one does surprise me. I think it's cool. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, good for good for them. It's not, I would have never guessed that would have gone to number one uh, because personally, yeah, I don't. Would, I think it would have been hard. I, I don't love it. I think it's a good film. But the thing about the film is it's purposely difficult to watch. Like it's it's supposed to be that way. So like it's not, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's not supposed to be though. So I guess that's fine. Look, it wouldn't be number one on my list, but that's fine. I think it's more interesting than Citizen Kane or Vertigo being number one. Oh, no, I, I agree. I think the fact that Citizen Kane's gone down is great. I think, you know, as we said, there's way too much English stuff on here. There's really... No, no Malik. No Terrence Malik. No, uh, no, high, no high and low. That should be on the list. They have Curacao on here, though, don't they? They have a... Uh... They have, like, I think the highest one I see is, like, uh, Seven Samurai. And uh, Rushamon's on there as well. So there is, but honestly, like High and Low, I think is about as good as Seven Samurai, if not better than Rushamon. I think High and Low might be his best film. It, it was my favorite. Yeah, I, I I love High and Low. Blade Runner's on there, which yeah, that's a really good movie. <laughs> but honestly, if we're gonna go Ridley Scott, I would rather go Alien than Blade Runner. Honestly, yeah, I mean that's debatable. I don't think Alien is on here. I think no. you're right. I think you you might be right there. I think maybe Alien should go in that place. I think that makes more sense to me as well. I don't know. For some reason, Blade Runner is more ubiquitous lately, recently. Because they had the second one, maybe, is why. And just all the cyberpunk shit, yeah, and the second movie and all that stuff. Goodfellas is on there, but I think I'd prefer Casino on there in its place. But that's just me. Like, obviously, Goodfellas is going to be on the list. Very celebrated movie. But I, I prefer Casino. I understand why this is on the list, but if I'm going to take a, uh, a Scorsese movie, I would much rather have a King of Comedy or uh, After Hours. Wolf of Wall Street is on the list. It is on the list? It isn't. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't know. I think I would rather have Wolf of Wall Street on there over like Get Out or yeah, even like Moonlight maybe. Uh, I don't know. If there's a movie I want to rewatch right now, it's going to be Wolf of Wall Street, not Moonlight. But I like Moonlight. I actually, movie. did I tell you I watched that, rewatched that movie recently? What movie? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I think I probably saw like a letterbox review. I went through this phase where I was rewatching a bunch of movies because I was trying to find something to do while I worked. And, um, and so I was just going by like the order in which I had seen it. So I, I went through quite a few, you know, I rewatched Memento, I rewatched Goodfellas, I rewatched Wolf of Wall Street and good movies, all good movies. Yeah. I hadn't seen Wolf of Wall Street since it originally came out. So it, I think you didn't like any of these movies, which movies, the ones you just listed that I rewatched. Yeah. Well, you were, I think I remember from your reviews, you were just like, yeah, I don't know. My opinion on Memento went down quite a bit because even though like originally, you know, I kind of love like the, the storytelling of it. I found on the rewatch that there's kind of like a lack of empathy in the film. Like it's, it's just a little too cynic for me. Goodfellas still good, but when it came to Wolf of Wall Street, I did enjoy it, but I did think it was a little too, which I get it's, 
right supposed to be kind of over the top and that whole thing but honestly i don't think it needed to be as long as it was i do love the story of kind of um jordan belford is that his name yeah jordan belford yeah yeah I think Martin Scorsese does a good job of kind of telling the story of this tragic character, which I think is often overlooked when we kind of talk about Wolf of Wall Street. Like, you know, we kind of always talk about kind of just like the crazy shenanigans he gets into. That's a dumb guy view of that movie, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Like, right. to be like, yo, this movie's epic. It's my favorite movie of all time. And it's like, but it's like, they're really, honestly, for me, the parts that stick out of the sad moments, like that scene where I think he's like trying to drive or something like that. Right. And he gets into an accident with his family. That seems sad. It's pathetic. My, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that very last scene, which I had forgotten about until I rewatched it, which is where he's selling. Because I always thought the last scene was when he's there playing tennis at the jail. I'm like, oh, like he just fucking gets away with it. And like, that's how everything ends. But that's not the last scene. The last scene is the scene after that in which he's selling a pen and like this auditorium. Pen. I remember that too. It's a super yeah. depressing scene. Like, it's just, it's fucking awful. Because it's this guy who, you know, had everything. And despite all that, like he's kind of, back here at the beginning but his life is just super like like despite having all this money and all this shit it's this really poignant moment but again if i'm gonna watch a scorsese film personally i'm gonna go with after hours can't comedy before i go with like a goodfellas or casino but wolf Wall street's still good i mean it's well, you haven't seen casino i haven't seen casino i didn't say casino it's a goodfellas i still haven't seen casino you should watch casino i should watch casino i know you love it i'm a big fan I'll watch it. I mean, you know, Scorsese's always great. What's Scorsese up to? Has he got anything new going on? I think he's uh, working on that ad- adaptation of that one book. Yes. Something, Flower, Moon, something. Yeah, Killers of the Flower. Killers of the Flower, Moon. Right? Is that what it's called? Yep, Killers of the Flower, Moon. You're right. I listened to the audiobook of that. It's a, it's, it's a nonfiction book. Is it good? I recommend the book. It's a really good book. It's an it's a good piece of reporting. Who's it written by? You know, a journalist, reporter, nonfiction guy. It's not it's not a fiction book. It just tells a story about how I forget which state it is, but it's some state like in the southwest, Oklahoma, where like it's basically it tells a story of how like there's like an Indian reservation and then it turns out I think there's oil under it. And so all these Indians start mysteriously dying. Hmm. That's just basically the story to kind of start off. It's a very sad and very uh bad, but it's a very good book. That sounds like a good, good read. Yeah, I recommend it. You probably read it pretty quickly. I, I listened to the audiobook and, you know, it was good. I recently read, you should read this book. I want to get the name right because there's going to be a lot of like variations. So let me see if I can. So I originally read uh, the biography of Buster Keaton called Buster Keaton, A Film Life by James Curtis. It's pretty long. As an audiobook, it's like 30 hours. So that's like 500 pages. Yeah. Something like that, 400, 500 pages. You know, I'm a huge fan of biographies. It's not as good as the LBJ series. It's not as good as Robert A. Caro, but is a very good biography. It's incredibly well-written, incredibly well-researched. Like it goes into like well into his early life, like from like the day he's fucking, his parents are born, which funny enough, his parents are from Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But of course, by the time Buster Keaton was born, they were traveling like vaudeville kind of. Vaudeville, yeah. They did like vaudeville stuff. Right, right, right. It's just a truly incredible story of triumph. And then also it gets really fucking sad once you get past like the first third of the book. Right, yeah. Because by the time he's 30, like the rest of his life is kind of depressing. Yeah, it's kind of over. Part of it is his fault because he does become like a drunk for a while and has like some issues with alcohol and he sleeps around a bit. He's a bit of a ladies man, but it's very clearly a large part the fault of 
because what differentiates Buster Keaton from the other silent era filmmakers like Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd is Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chaplin both owned their own production companies. They started their own production companies and so they had complete control. But Buster Keaton never did that. So he was always under a production company. And even though originally the general and the navigator and like his, you know, big famous early shorts and features were all under a company called the Buster Keaton Production Company, he actually didn't own any part of that production company. So he spent basically, you know, after the general is made, I think it was after the general, he spent the rest of his career kind of just being traded off between studios, just kind of like struggling to find work. He was not good with his money at all. So, you know, he's like constantly just like scraping by and it sucks. Yeah. Because you, know, you have one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, right? The general's on the top hundred list. And by the time he's 30 years old, he almost never makes another film because he's just, no one really gives him the option. But it's a great read. Uh, everyone listening should definitely give it a read. There's like a book that came out earlier this year that here was good called Cameraman, Buster Keaton, The Dawn of Cinema and the Invention of the 20th Century. That might be another good one. Yeah, I remember this book coming out and it is on my list. So I haven't actually read that many biographies about filmmakers or kind of the film world in general. I don't know why it's been a blind spot. Most of my biographies have been mostly kind of more historical figures, but having read the Buster Keaton one, just a really enjoyable experience, just to kind of see the world through Buster's eyes and the development of film through Buster Keaton is, it's kind of weird because, you know, he's, He's kind of, uh, Buster Keaton is a character kind of stuck in silent films. And you can tell by like the way he told his stories, like that's just the kind of films he knew how to make. And so I think that was also part of it is he just, he could never really figure out how to do acts with talking. And even when he did his vaudeville stuff, like most of his stuff was, there was no talking in it. Like that's just like his shtick. So I don't know, give it a read. It's sad, but endearing and definitely worth it. I don't have a lot to report on this week. I watched all three Harold and Kumar movies. I'm not going to discuss those. (laughs) They were okay. Okay. The first two all right. And then the third one's bad. But anyway, I did watch a two different Adam Curtis series. I watched Can't Get You Out of My Head and Trauma Zone. I like Adam Curtis. He's like a British documentarian and filmmaker. His style is very uh, specific. His documentaries use a ton of archival footage for the most part. And he focuses in a lot on like kind of like the history of the 20th century. He's interested in like individualism versus collectivism, the history of certain countries like the US, Britain, Russia, and China. Can't Get You Out of My Head is kind of like a documentary that's all over the place. It kind of has like this big cast of characters that he kind of like flows through from all over the world. I I liked it. It's really good. It's all, all really all over the place. But if you're looking for something that just is like, he also uses pop music a lot or an ambient music a lot in his in his movies as well. Okay. And he has like a very nice voice. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe his style. It's kind of a very specific style. But he has a new one out that came out earlier this year called Trauma Zone. That was really interesting where there's no music. He doesn't include like extra music. He has no narration. It's just him using archive footage and text on screen to basically tell the story from 1985 to 1999, basically the fall of like the Soviet Union and communism and democracy in the country and that area. Wow. So they go through, you know, just, you know, Boris Yeltsin and the the documentary ends basically with the introduction of, of Vladimir Putin. And it's very intense. Curtis uses archival footage that does include violence, like does include like people getting killed and stuff like that. But yeah, just like the story of like the country of that country in the area is just unbelievable. Like it's just kind of insane that that happened not that long ago. And I mean, I would highly recommend it. Both series are like seven hours long and it sounds like a lot of time, 
but because of the way that he makes his series the time kind of slips away pretty much because you can kind of just like really kind of sink into kind of like the effect that that curtis creates dope we talked a little bit about it last week and i said i was gonna watch well no we ended up saying i wasn't gonna watch it because this stuff is pretty uh if there's one adam curtis thing everyone should watch it's probably hyper normalization which is like three hours long it's like a movie okay it's good I wish I'd watched more movies this week. I was so gun hell about watching more movies this week. I got through the Batman duology. And I was like, I was gonna was gonna watch other stuff, and then and here we are, another Saturday. And those those only movies I watched. That's fine. I did watch a lot more Better Call Saul. I'm almost through the whole second season. I think it's a lot better than the first season. Okay, that's good. I think all the stuff with Mike is great. It's the best stuff. Honestly, they should have just made the show about him. Yeah, he's good. Like, there's entire episodes that are just Mike. It's the best. And, like, those were some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad, too, honestly. Like, Mike is one of the best characters, and I love him. And I think my biggest complaint with Better Call Saul is it takes... We're still not there yet. He doesn't do anything illegal. Like, there's no, like, illegal stuff. Like, that's what that's what made Better Call Saul great, right? Because he, like, knew all, like, the little, like, he knows guy who knows a guy. And, right? But, like, at this point, he's still, like... He's just doing like regular lawyer shit. So I'm still enjoying it. It's well-written. It's funny. Bob Odenkirk is great in it, but I'm really waiting for the illegal shit to go down, which I know happens eventually, but I wish it would just kind of get to it. I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's fine. You know, I said I was going to go see Bones and all last week. That's fine. Like right after this conversation, but I didn't go see it. Whatever. I'm kind of disappointed that I did that. Maybe I'll go this weekend. We'll see. Yeah whatever thank you for listening to the show yeah and uh until next time thank you <laughs>